Hello there. Going through a divorce? Considering one? Sorry to hear that. But here you are. Welcome to Splitsville. You'll find Splitsville to be a pretty unique place. A new world, really, with its own rules, its own expectations, and in many ways, its own language. But don't worry. You have a knowledgeable guide along the way. A family law attorney with three decades of experience under her belt. And now, here she is. Your host and guide, Lee Sellers. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Welcome to Splitsville. I'm your host and guide, Lee Sellers, founder of Touchstone Family Law. And in this episode, I'll be answering another question that many newcomers to Splitsville have. Tell me about child support. So let's dive in. So often when people are in my office and they have children, the amount of child support that they might be paying or the amount of child support that they can depend on receiving is very much at the forefront of the conversation and of their mind. Most people are very concerned about how the money is going to be divided and their obligations are going to be changed when they go from sharing an income or two incomes to running different households. So that's something we talk about in almost every initial consultation with clients with children. So in North and South Carolina both, there are child support guidelines. It is a state calculation. It is a formula. And it's mandated by the federal government that every state have one, but it does vary from state to state. So in South and North Carolina, they have child support guidelines uh, the same as every other state in the country, but it is going to be unique to that particular state. And the main things to remember are the, the central inputs. So the calculators in both states look at what your average gross income is going to be, uh, what both parents have earned on an average as gross monthly income. They're going to look at how much work-related child support is on average throughout the year. And they're going to look at what the insurance cost, health, medical, vision, dental, whatever insurance uh, you carry on your children, how much the cost of that insurance is just for the children, not for the entire family. And they're also going to look at how many overnights the children spend with each parent, because obviously you're going to be caring for the children when they're in your house. So seeing where the children are over the course of the year is important for the calculation as well. So when you have all of those numbers, you input them into the formula, which is called the Child Support Guideline Calculator, and it will uh, tell you, according to that calculator, how much child support one parent owes the other. And that seems simple. There are a few exceptions. If you earn too much money or you earn too little money for the calculator to work, then there's another way to, to look into it. And if you have a child that's receiving Social Security insurance, there's also some special rules about that. So if you fall under any of those circumstances, the guidelines are not going to be as applicable to you. That would be another conversation. But let's assume that that's not your problem. That is, the guidelines are going to be the amount of child support that is ordered in 95% of the cases. Now, there is a small amount of law that provides for a deviation from the guidelines. And so this is where there's something wrong with the guidelines where it doesn't actually work properly to meet the children's needs 
within the means and ability of the parents. And that's sometimes just an anomaly with the support calculator. Because one of the other things you have to consider is how many children you have, and that's also maxed on each of them. And there are people who have more children than the guidelines provide for, and so that's another problem. But there are times when you put in the numbers and the formula just kicks out a number, and it actually isn't reasonable. It's either way too high or way too low. And so the court is allowed to make an independent inquiry in those situations. Doesn't happen much, but but it is something that we consider if we run the calculator and we can just look at the numbers and know there is there's something terribly wrong. It's just a place in the algorithm that that failed, and and we can deal with that. And those are off guideline cases, is what we call them. When we're talking about income, a lot of people will will say things like, "Well, my bonus isn't guaranteed," or "My I get overtime, but it's not guaranteed." The problem is that the child support guidelines in both states are very clear that the court is going to look at your income from all sources. So it is all of your income, interest, dividends. If you have regular gifts from a parent or a family member, if you're lucky enough that you have somebody whose estate plan is is giving you regular contributions annually, everything, whether it's guaranteed or not, is considered. They're going to look at what you're earning now, and they're going to look at your historical earnings, and they're going to basically average it. So they will assume that you are going to continue to earn as you have been earning. And the reason is because if there is a significant change in earnings or costs for health insurance or child care, if the uh, change is significant enough to make a 15% change in the amount of child support that would be awarded, then either party can come back and ask for a recalculation. So there's already a built-in mechanism for taking care of the fact that if you don't get a bonus anymore or if your overtime suddenly disappears, they can correct it. So they really don't operate from a place of it might disappear. They basically are saying, well, if it does disappear, come back and we'll fix it. Uh, And that's that's nerve-wracking, I know. Because you are worried about cash flow, and if you aren't actually earning the money, then it makes it very difficult to pay out what somebody has has told you to pay out while you're waiting to go back and get a modification. But that's just the way that the law looks at it. And the reason is because they are really just trying to take care of the children and make sure that the division of the, the parents doesn't negatively impact the children in one home or the other, that they still can be provided for regardless of whose care they're in. So they're going to be looking to make sure that these children have basic coverage for their needs in both homes. And that's really the purpose of child support. It is to make sure that that happens. Now, child support covers the basic basic needs of children. So I often have people that will come in and say, I know that he or she is not spending that on the children. Or they'll ask me, are they going to get receipts? Or how does that work? You know, that they get proof that the money that they're paying is spent on the children. And the answer to that is that you're not going to get a breakdown. Um, You're not going to get an accounting. And the reason is because there are some costs associated with taking care of your child that simply can't be divided out from the combined family cost. Child support's supposed to cover shelter for your child. And so that means that whatever apartment or house they're living in, whatever utilities that are being used are in part for the child. And yes, the the parent is living there as well. There's some portion of that that is directly related to the children. Uh, you think about it, you, you have to get a, a place that accommodates extra people. So you have more bedrooms if you have children. 
you have higher utility bills when you're running the shower more or have the lights on differently or have a bigger refrigerator. So all of those combined expenses are considered to be in part for the children, as well as the insurance on the automobile that safely transports them to appointments or the gasoline that goes in the automobile that takes them to soccer practice or to school or to the doctor. The food that's being purchased at the grocery store isn't broken down per person uh, like a cafeteria tray. So you can't really provide the receipt that, that proves to someone else that you spent money on those places for the children. So that's why it's not required. It just isn't reasonable or feasible. So you're, there's not going to be an accounting. And if you know what you spend on your family when you're in the house, then you know children tend to increase your expenses. And so I, I don't think that any amount of money that is being awarded one side to the other is overwhelmingly larger than what those children's needs have been when you were in the house, if you really sit back and think about it. But you're not going to have a situation where you can go buy diapers instead of giving somebody the cash, or you can just drop off groceries or clothing. And, and I know that that is a common theme because most people are, are in a place of distrust when they separate or divorce or in a custody fight or a child support fight. So the lack of trust that the other person is going to do right by you is high, and I understand that. But unfortunately, the court system is is more focused on the child getting what they need and making sure they get it in a normal manner, and that the other parent not have to jump through hoops in order to meet those needs, which to provide receipts or to, you know, beg or to sit there and wait, you know, for somebody to go bring them something that they could more quickly run out and, and get themselves if they need to get medicine or um, diapers for their, their children. So, it's just not allowed. It's going to be a cash payment from one parent to the other. And the states feel confident in the guidelines they've calculated and the judges are under a mandate to award money as the calculator provides. So that's going to happen. And um, one thing that people ask is how long is it going to last? And it is a little different in both North and South Carolina, so I won't get into the specifics. But where some states do run child support much later, in North and South Carolina, it is not going to run into college age children. There is no requirement in either state to provide for your children if they continue their education beyond high school and go into college. And, and some states do run much longer, but this one doesn't. So you're not going to find that there is any mandate uh, that you provide for college. One thing to, to think about when we're talking about what it does cover, people would be surprised to know what it doesn't cover. So since child support is guaranteed to just help underwrite the regular everyday needs for children, there's a lot of things it doesn't cover that we need to help parents come up with a, a formula or a method to continue to share going forward. It doesn't cover extracurricular activities. It doesn't cover music lessons or travel sports teams. It doesn't cover extraordinary school supplies or field trips. I mean, it may child support may give you enough money to pay for a $5 field trip to Discovery Place or a farm to pick strawberries. But if it is a bigger trip to the state capitals or a historic site, those two and $300 ones are not covered, nor uh, will you find that any um, tutoring or just extras are really covered by child support guidelines. And as your children get older, they get more and more expensive. And there's automobile insurance to provide for new drivers if you choose to let your child have a driver's license. 
There's prom photos. There's SAT applications. There's college applications. There's senior pictures. There's yearbooks. There is activity fees to participate in a lot of even public school sports. So there's rental for band instruments. So the expenses go up tremendously as the children get older. And unfortunately, the guidelines are not really calculating that into the formula because it's not a necessity. But I think in today's society, it is something that we parents want to provide for our children. It is definitely covers a lot of things that would help our children um, excel and reach the goals that we have for them and they have for themselves. So we still like to make sure that parents come up with a vehicle about how are they going to deal with that when it happens. Um, orthodontia is a huge one. Uh, various people's insurance covers some sort of it, but there's usually a lot of, of additional uncovered cost. So the child support guidelines only provide for up to about $250 a year. Medical, it's assumed that there will be some co-pays, that there will be some medicines provided. But for anything over and above that, the parties are expected to split it um, pro rata, pro rata to their incomes. And we often take that formula and carry it through these other issues like agreed upon activities or sports, agreed upon enrichment activities. And a lot of parents will agree to be bound by that pro rata rule, but it's actually not in the state guidelines. So that's something you want to think about how you want to save for it. We'll often have people make agreements to contribute to a 529 account. Since you can't require people to pay for college um, after the children are older, a lot of parents to make sure that they still continue to plan and that both parents um, prepare that child to be able to have some funds available for secondary education will actually agree to some sort of college fund. So there's a lot of things you can do by agreement, but the court is bound to only do what the statutes require, and that is the child support guidelines. So there's a lot of room for flexibility for parents to make economic decisions together and, and come up with their own plan and not rely simply on what the guidelines say and what the court might be empowered to do. And so we really encourage people of all income levels to really think through what's the best way to meet their child's um, needs in a financial sense uh, when they're splitting up. And we have a lot of tools and resources, financial planners, budgeting specialists, even sometimes resources on where you might be able to find less expensive health insurance options or scholarships for various things. And so that's something that we will try to holistically approach and, and help you as you're going through this process. But it is serious. And there are many judges that will remind you that it is the one bill the one expense that if you don't pay, you'll go to jail for. And it is true. They do not look at child support as something you pay after you've paid everything else. And when I have someone with a child support obligation come in and say, well, I just don't have enough money. Um, after I pay all my bills, I don't have enough money to pay that. And the problem is, is that what the judges think is, no, you pay your child support first, and then we see what money you've got left to pay the rest of your bills with. And so that's something that's a little hard for people to adjust to, especially if money is tight. But that child support obligation will be enforced by both states' courts very seriously. So it's important that you calculate it properly and that you're educated and that you understand that you're going to have this obligation and you want to be paying properly. A lot of people will come in who have already been separated for a good many of months and they haven't been making any contribution. 
And so one thing I would caution everyone to remember is that you want to understand what your economic responsibilities are to your children before you separate or before you start living apart from their parent. If you're a parent of a child and you weren't in a marriage relationship with the um, other parent, then you still have an obligation that begins as soon as that child takes their first breath. So don't let yourself get behind. Make sure that you have a plan very early on because the court system is allowed to go backwards and make sure that there is some repayment if you did not pay a sufficient amount of child support. And it's just like any other penalty. Once you get behind and it's a large debt, it can be very overwhelming to whittle that down with your ongoing. So I really do ask people not to to dodge that. There are child support enforcement agencies in both states, and some people will apply to those. If you get a notice from the child support enforcement officers asking you to come down and, and meet with them and work with them to work out a child support amount voluntarily, that's a great plan. But you should speak to an attorney first before you go meet with them because you want to know all of the answers to your questions before you go in there to meet with them because they're not really going to advocate too strongly. They're just trying to do what's best for the child and they are not lawyers when you're working with these child support enforcement officers. They are trained with the child support guidelines and they do know and have information on how to calculate it, but they are not lawyers and they aren't going to pretend they are or try to raise legal issues for either one of you. And so it would be best to make sure that you know what is going to be discussed and know what your rights and obligations are before you go talk to them, because it can be very useful to go ahead and enter into those agreements so that you don't have to go to court, would be a voluntary agreement that they would then turn into a court order. But it does mean you don't have to take off and go to court and sit in the courtroom waiting for a judge to call your case. And, you know, if you need to be on the job, then that's that's an important consideration And so you definitely don't want to ignore those letters, but just make sure you go ahead and request a consultation so that you know what you're walking into. A lot of people will agree to something thinking that it's really easy to change, and there are rules around changing those numbers. And so you want to make sure that you get it right the first time. So don't move too quickly, but make sure that you're very prepared. And when you come to a consultation with an attorney, make sure that you have pay stubs with you or tax returns and things that will help an attorney give you an estimate um, with those child support calculators. And they're not actually state secrets. The child support calculators and guidelines are on a website open to the public, and they have a calculator online, which will allow you to put the numbers in yourself and get an idea or an estimate of what your child support obligation, if you are on the guidelines, would be. So it's not something that is super secret, but making sure that you're inputting the right data is is completely going to affect whether you get the right answer. So you still want to make sure you speak with someone, but there's a lot of research that you can do before you even get into an attorney's office. So I encourage you to do that. It's an important issue for families, and it's an important issue for the parents, and it's something that everybody in my office spends a lot of time helping people with, and we can get an answer for you. So there you have it, another neighborhood of Splitsville explored. There's still so much to learn here, so I hope you'll tune in to the next episode. While Splitsville is not a fun place to be, thankfully it is full of helpful people, valuable resources, and sound advice if you know where to look. See you next time.
The insights and views presented in Welcome to Splitsville are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. If you're ready for compassionate and reliable legal guidance on your journey, contact Lee Sellers and her team at www.touchstonefamilylaw.com.